there was a real fear of intimacy, like just with people, not even romantically, just anybody, like getting to know people and getting to be seen for the me that I am and not the, you know, traumatized me I was before where it wasn't really me at all. Welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast, where soulful entrepreneurship and holistic mind-body wellness meet to help you heal, discover your soul's purpose, and change the world. I'm your host, Gabby Ortega, entrepreneur, psychology expert, social media maven, and soulful leadership coach. And it's my mission to empower you into becoming the light leader you're meant to be. Each episode will be diving deep into topics that will help you gain personal mastery over your healing and mind-body wellness, while also giving you practical tips and tools to help you create, market, and scale a heart-centered business around your soul's purpose and life mission. Whether you're in the beginning of your self-awakening journey or a seasoned inner work god or goddess who's ready to step into their leadership as a soulpreneur, this is going to be your new favorite place to be. We know that you don't just want to feel happier and more fulfilled, but you want to deeply know yourself and powerfully step into your life's purpose while creating massive abundance around your mission. That's why I've created this podcast for you, the light leader of the next generation. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Ortega, CEO and founder of Ohm Therapy Coaching, and I am so, so happy to have you back again for this particular episode that we have with Beatrice um, of the Self Love Fix Podcast, and she is just an all-around badass. So I've been following Beatrice for a hot minute, um, actually I should say like a year probably, and just everything that she has on her page is so positive and so uplifting and so empowering. Um, I love the community she's built and I was just so glad that you said yes to coming on this podcast because um, I know just how busy you are so thank you for taking the time Um, and just so you guys know Beatrice is a self-love and embodiment coach she's an astrologer and the host of the self-love fix podcast like I mentioned and she helps women embody their worthiness through aligning with their truth and shifting from lack mindset to a mindset of abundance and desire so welcome to the podcast Beatrice (laughs) Hey, thank you for having me, Gabby. No, it's literally like my pleasure and my huge honor. So thank you for taking the time to spend some time with our audience and our community here today and give us a little bit of the wisdom that you have so much of. Yay. So um, I would just love, I guess, like, because we both kind of talked about this before we got started, but both of us have gone through trauma. Both of us have had like some journeys. So maybe you can share a little bit about your journey and like where you come from and how you have really come into the space where you stepped into so much love and light and empowerment. Like you literally from your pores, you guys, like if you've never followed her from her pores, she just emanates like love and, and like light and just like joy. So, and I mean that like, it's one of the reasons I love following you. So yeah. Tell me about, tell us about your story. Yeah. So, okay. Back in grad school is when this all kind of unfolded. So I was going to grad school for, to, in order to become a registered dietitian and also to get a master's. Um, and so it was like a dual program situation. And when I was in grad school, like a lot of my perfectionism started to come out and cause I was in a different state, different city, and didn't have my normal coping mechanisms, I guess, like my outlets and everything like that. So it was just me. So all of these parts of me that I didn't recognize started to come out and I had no way to soothe myself. And so the perfectionism hit hard, particularly when um, 
okay, so we had preceptors, kind of like how nurses do rotations. Um, it's the same thing for dietitians. And so um, one of my preceptors, she gave me like, it was something like a three out of five um, as an evaluation. And it's like, not even bad. It's literally average, but yeah. she, uh, it wasn't a five. And so I was like, I panicked. I freaked out. And, and I was like, what is going on? Why, why is she seeing me as average? Like, what did I do something wrong? You saw my face though, because I'm you like when I was like 3.5, I immediately went, Oh my God, that's so rough. And you're like, yeah. that's average. Cause it's like, Oh no, we're both perfectionists. Yeah, exactly. And but like, it was the way that I was, I couldn't stop crying and I was panicking and I was freaking out. But I noticed that my roommates, which were also fellow students um, or fellow classmates, at, like they were just fine. They were unbothered by the evaluation. They were like, oh, we just started out. They told us this is to be expected. But it, I realized something must be going on with me that, you know, for me to be that derailed. And for the first time in my life, it wasn't me going like, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? It was like, where did this come from? Mm, more curious. Yeah, it was curious where I was used to like beating myself up for just not being like everybody else. And so I followed that. I was like, yeah, where did this come from? And so the interesting thing that unfolded, by the way, I went to grad school in like South Texas, like the deep, deep Texas. And so, and this is relevant for a reason because there was, there were two preceptors that tried to get me into meditation to help me like relax and um, to just ease my mind off of things. And I was like, you know what? I was always resistant to it, but I was like, there are two people from the South of Texas and I'm like, there's, and I'm not trying to like label anybody or anything like that, but that's the last place I would have expected um, somebody to tell me about meditation. Cause I'm from California. Like if anything, I would have thought that's where I would have got the thing from. It's literally the only place I like heard about meditation was when I moved to California. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you see like, and so I was like, if I'm hearing it twice and I'm hearing it here, I should try it. What am I, what have I got to lose? And that's when it really started like happening, everything, like all this, like my mind and all of these thoughts I had in my head that I was like, where are these coming from? It just kept unfolding from yeah. there. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I had a very similar experience. Like when I first learned about meditation, I came out here and um, I started taking yoga and that was like my first, like, Ooh, like at the end of Shavasana, I was like, Ooh, I like this. <laughs> um, and then I started like seeking it out a little bit more. Um, and it's really, really curious. Like, um, I'm glad it's more of more like widely talked about, but like it's it's really a game changer when it comes to like figuring out and getting curious about yourself in a non-judgmental way versus um, sitting there and like I would like attack myself like all the time. Like I'd be my worst inner critic and I'm like yeah. attacking myself and rather than kind of questioning the thought and being separating from the thought and saying, okay, I'm going to actually observe what's happening in my brain and my mind and my body without judgment. Like before I did that, I was attached to everything. And that drove my emotional responses because everything just deeply affected me. Um, and I took everything that I was coming up in my head from my experiences, like my automatic thoughts and reactions as truth. And I think meditation is like one of those things that just, like if you can really get still and find safety in the stillness, um, mm -hmm. you can hear yourself breathe for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like you just you begin to catch wind of like the difference between your thoughts and you. And it's it's pretty transformational, 
I would say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh my God, my thoughts aren't me. Yeah. Like, that was like a weird, a weird thing to think of. Like you are not your thoughts. And in, in psychology, we call this, um, um, oh my gosh, starts with an M. Um, oh my God, I'm going to think about it. And then I'm going to remember <laughs> the word, uh, mind. Anyway, it's observing your thoughts. No, it's not mindfulness. There's something oh. else. My mom is a psychologist. She always uses this term and I'm forgetting about it now. But um, oh. it, it's basically like introception, another version of the word of introception, but basically turning your in, attention inwards on thinking about your thoughts. And like, oh. do we, we never really think about our thoughts. We kind of just think our thoughts and take action. And yeah. meditation really helps you think about your thoughts in like a kind of a distanced way because like if you wow, are a trauma survivor a lot of those automatic thoughts come from like remnants and scar tissue of the trauma you've experienced you know especially the negative things oh yeah they they definitely do and that's what i discovered in that time when i was in grad school i was like whoa i, I all of my stuff from my childhood really started to come out um, and I had, I think I had ended up going down the Google rabbit hole when I found out about the term narcissist, I was like, what, what's that? And then, and then I just discovered a lot about my own family and how I was raised and I couldn't believe it. It was like, you, it was like, um, I don't even know what you call those, like, uh, the dolls where you take. Oh, the Russian dolls, like where yeah, the, the Russian dolls inside. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was like it couldn't stop. Like I just kept there was more and more and more, and that's what it was like. It was, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was a a lot to to accept that that the things that happened when I was a child. I don't know if that's something you can relate to too. It was. I think one of the things that I, I was very surprised about during my healing journey and recognizing how many wounds I had from childhood was the amount of grief that I felt. Um, I think that's something that we don't talk about enough of, which is this idea that the healing journey is, quote, painful and we have to look at things. But the amount of the most painful part was the grief that I started to feel for myself and my inner my like inner child and the child version of myself when I started to realize how how hard she had it and yeah. how hard she tried and all the ways in which she needed to be loved that she couldn't be loved and like then recognizing on top of that how hard i've been on myself as an adult and that i haven't made it any easier for my inner mm. child i haven't i've actually perpetuated the same abuse and the same toxic you know mindset um that like i, I was put on to me and and caused me trauma and so that grief and that shame around oh my god i've been doing the same thing to myself that people were doing to me that i hated so much um mm. was really the hardest part for me yeah oh my god the grief is so real it was it's and it's double grief because it's like grief for yourself and like you said your inner child and then grief for maybe the relationship you didn't get to have with your parents oh my god that was right on this podcast <laughs> it was yeah i'm feeling it too honestly because I, that was experiencing both at the same time was really difficult for me initially because I had to try to do it alone initially. Yeah. So that was really hard. And it was like, I can't believe it. There was so, but there was definitely so much grief for the, um, the inner child. Like I would do these guided meditations and sometimes the memories would get unlocked of like being a kid and just feeling frozen. Yeah. Cause you know how that can happen sometimes where you just words can't come out. And oh, you're yeah. like, I can't believe she 
how did she do it? Yeah. Yeah. How did she do it? I think a lot of everybody, if you're listening to this, I, th- I feel like a lot of you can relate to this. It's like, you know, you realize, oh my God, like she's gone through a lot. And I think too, what then was hard to reconcile as well, if you're, if we're talking about more the childhood chaos and growing up with like parents who have like mental, some mental stuff going on, whether it's narcissism, borderline, you know, um, my father had his own mental illness happening that really affected me deeply. I think it's like, I had to grieve that relationship that I never had slash never would have recognizing that like, actually, you know, this person has a limitation to Mm. what they're able to do. They're not, able or willing to go on a healing journey or they have, and they've reached a point where they, that's as much as they're able to do. And I will never have, like, I love my dad and we have a a really beautiful relationship now that has a lot of boundaries and it's like safe for me and it feels good for him and all of that. But like, I was holding on to so much, this idea for so long that like an anger that he wasn't this dad I wanted him to be. It wasn't the relationship I wanted it to be and expecting it to be that. And when I finally let that go, it was really hard to be like, you know what, he's never going to be the dad that I really want and need. And I can also build a relationship knowing that this is his limitation in a way that still I can have him in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's never going to be what I would hope it would be, you know, and that's really, that's hard. And a lot of us don't, can't even like face that because it means just facing that, that amount of grief, which is really rough. Oh yeah. That is, that can be, it can be really tough too. And I think that with discovering all of the the trauma, you have to ask yourself or come to the place where you're like, what kind of relationship do I want to have with my parents now? You know, if I do, because for some people having no relationship at all is helpful for them. Absolutely. or like you said, with a lot of boundaries, it's like that can be tough too. Just trying to, just trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah. yeah, accepting them as they are is like what I was getting from what you're saying. Is Hard. it's huge, and and it frees you, but like it's not easy. No, <laughs> initially, and it's something that you constantly struggle with too, because there'll always be moments where like you're like, oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> like, oh, yep, yeah, no. <laughs> And, uh, and it reminds you, yeah, there, there's limitations on this person and what they're able to give. Um, and then also like kind of a side grief, talking about grief, but like a side grief that I experienced too was then recognizing what I learned about trauma and actually seeing that my parents were very traumatized and being angry. <laughs> like I had this experience and I'm like, oh, great. Fuck you guys. I love you, but fuck you guys. Now I have to actually go back and like deconstruct this stuff and like put it back together. And like also being like, oh my God, like the trauma that they experience and that, you know, caused them to act in certain ways. Like, you know, wow, that sucks. And I feel really badly that they had to go through that too. So to hold both of those is yeah. really hard. Oh my God. It literally, I'm telling you, there's so many layers to this. It's true. It's so true. Even with my experience, um, cause I was raised in a home with a narcissistic mother and for the longest, I held a lot of resentment. Um, and cause there's a lot with my particular situation, there is just, it's going to be really difficult for her to ever, see the pain that she's caused me or the pain she's caused other people. It's like you said about limitations. It's just not possible. Yeah. And so I really held a lot 
of resentment with that. But then when I began to see the interesting thing was when I began to see the parts of me, um, like my own shadows, like the, the parts of me that would, I, I pretended like I didn't participate in, but I did, that she also did or that I learned from her. When I started to accept them is when I started to see like, whoa, there's much more to this. Like it's easy, I think, to label people as things or their conditions. But when you begin to see like, we're way more nuanced than that. Like we express behaviors, we're capable of expressing behaviors. Um, Maybe we don't operate in them 24 seven, like some of our parents have, but we, we can at some capacity. Yeah. 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 No, it's fascinating. And then, you know, trying not to hate that part of yourself where you're like, oh, that's that. I know it's like that. And that's been even, even to this day, like, okay, so I I'm running a program called self-love over codependency right now. And, um, this time around, I'm doing something different where I'm having us look at different aspects, like the perfectionistic part of us, um, the critic and like the controlling part of us, like all these different aspects and zooming in on them and seeing that we play into these roles in particular times, like maybe when we're stressed, maybe when we're scared, when we don't feel safe and actually getting to know them, like holding them, holding space for them type of thing. And And what do you think about that? Like with the shadow work thing? Because when I first started all this, I was like, I only wanna think about the good stuff. Oh yeah, no. I mean, like, I was like, how do we move forward? <laughs> like, yeah. like, how do we like, like, yeah, you know, that stuff happened. And it's like there, you know, it's like distracting my life. But like, I think we should just focus on the future. No, I was very much like not looking at it. And I think too, it is like the hardest to like notice bits of myself that are like kind of the not so great aspects of like my parents who raised me and like being like, ooh, there, there's bats. Like I, um. Like, I know for me, I have a lot, a tremendous amount, like less so, I would say, I shouldn't say tremendous, but I used to have a tremendous amount of anxiety about everything. And because of that anxiety and needing to have control over my environment, over what's happening, over what the plan is, I pushed a lot of people away because I'm like, hey guys, where's the, what's the fucking plan for vacation, guys? Guys, did you get your tickets yet? Guys, where are we staying? Guys, what's the price? Guys, I'll, I'll organize it. Oh my God, you guys, oh, blah, blah. and it's like, nobody wants to go on vacation with you. Like, nobody <laughs> wants to go on vacation with you. And it's because of my anxiety. My mom was a very anxious person. Um, she came from Cuba. She's an immigrant and, um, you know, had to deal with a lot coming here during the missile crisis too, which was like, you know, like, or a little bit after because everybody hated Cubans, you know? Um, and so like her having to navigate that, um, oh my God, I even forgot where I was like going with this. Just now. <laughs> I was like thinking about all the shit that she had to go through. Um, but you're talking about like anxious, anxiousness. And anxiety, like yeah. So when you, when you, when you lose your environment like that, like everything becomes anxious, you're in a new place, you're in a new country, there's a new language. Like, so everything is dangerous. And so when I was growing up to protect me, she was like, the world is a very dangerous place. And there's like, you never know, you're going to get kidnapped. You're going to get like, like molested. <laughs> like, don't ever get in a car with anybody. Like we used to watch SVU, like Law and Order. I was oh. like, like, I'm like, this is not appropriate. So like, I grew up with this kind of like, 
you have a lot of power and sovereignty and everything in the world is dangerous. And so like what ends up happening for me was like such a like intense overwhelm, just being an adult, like living on, like being on my own because I felt unconsciously this like kind of trauma around the world and being like, everything feels so dangerous. Everything is so scary. And then the way it comes out is like that self-sabotage and pushing people away or like being too controlling or, you know, being, and you know, and so I think like, really identifying and taking time to look at those parts of ourselves. Like I'm a little bit selfish sometimes, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? I'm a little bit controlling sometimes. It doesn't make me a bad person, but like you said, it's like inviting those parts. And like in Buddhism, like my Buddhist teachers would like, you know, invite them in for tea. Like these are Ooh. not, have them come in for tea and give them comfort and warmth and a place to, to rest. Yes. And if you can appro approach these shadows as, really tired, really um, burnt out parts of yourself that are just because all parts of you are worthy and lovable and wonderful, but you have to invite them in and be like, what are you trying to tell me? You yeah. know, so like, my anxiety was telling me that I was very scared of the world. Okay, that's mm. something we can heal. That's something we can work on. We don't need to have this be a shadow for us, you know, or, you know, oh, I'm being really selfish. Well, what is that telling me? It's telling me that I'm, I'm there's fear around like letting go of things or there's fear around trusting that someone else will be there for me. And like, oh, wow, let's think, let's talk about that. Yes. <laughs> All of our shadows are just like parts of ourselves that need to be excavated a little bit and shown the light of compassion. And I always talk about, I love Brene Brown. She's like, shame can't live where compassion shines. And wow. if you shine that light and you invite them in, you don't have to, you integrate the shadow. And that's where, you know, that's where all the healing happens. Yes, that's so true. It's like, I love that idea of inviting them in for tea. Oh, I love that. And it makes me think about, um, it, with you talking about Brene Brown, especially because she, she talks about vulnerability a lot. And that was, and I'm not sure about you, but for me, I was like this icy, icy queen, super icy, didn't want to yeah. let anybody in, like not, not really initially, because I, I would have described myself as really codependent and somebody who wanted to let everybody in. But as I was working through a lot of my trauma, then I became like this icy person because I'm like, I don't want anybody to to get in unless i can be sure that i can trust them <laughs> there's, there's application there's a screening process yeah yeah exactly and so it's like i would um it, it was like i was not connected to my emotions at all and i wouldn't show them and i just put up this front like everything was always fine and i was always okay yeah. and it's like i didn't realize that the part of me that like why that was happening is because I, there was a real fear of intimacy, like just with people, not even romantically, just anybody, like getting to know people and getting to be seen for the me that I am and not the, you know, traumatized me I was before where it wasn't really me at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like so much of like the trauma version of myself too was not me. And it's funny, like thinking about her and just being like, damn. <laughs> Yeah. That poor, poor girl. I know. Sometimes I think about it and I, I was just trying to think about it the other day. And I'm like, the weird thing is, is when I have memories of who I was before, it's like, what, I feel like I wasn't even there. 
Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it's funny. I wonder if anybody listening can relate to that because I feel like that's such a common thing. It's like, I was almost like watching a movie of my life happen and I was playing a part, but I never felt like I was living. I never felt like I was actually present for my life. Yeah. That it's, it's so crazy that when I look back at it, I'm like, and, and that's why I feel like so many of the memories aren't even there too. It's because I wasn't really there or you weren't really yeah. present, I guess. Yeah. It's like going through the motions because you kind of are given, I, you know, my, like the way I sound, like you're given like a script and kind of like a thing to follow by society and culture. And like, you know how to dress to look a certain way, you know how to act so that people think mm. you're a certain way, you know how to, you know, do things so that you can appear pretty good and normal and everything. So like, you know, why that should be everything that should make you happy. That should be like, you know, just follow those things. And I felt like I was very much like a passive player. I was just following kind of this prescription of what everybody in culture and society and media like told me I should be doing and looking like and how my relationship should be. And I was like acting and it just felt like I was acting in a role and I was never myself. And now that I am, I'm like, oh my God, what a difference. Like how much more fulfilled I feel, how much happier I feel, how much more present I feel. But to get here was like, I had to actually... Um, like figure out who I wanted to become because my entire, and this is like, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, you've like you guys who are listening, you've heard me talk about this before, but like, that's why childhood, growing up in a chaotic childhood, um, not even necessarily experiencing direct abuse, but even just like emotional neglect or having a parent who's a narcissist, has narcissistic tendencies. And I had that too. It's like that causes um, a really insidious kind of trauma called complex trauma, which is like, it's not just a traumatic event where, you know, with one trauma, major trauma, you, you already have your identity formed. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. You have something really horrible happen to you, like a car accident. Um, that doesn't fundamentally change how you see yourself. It doesn't um, affect your personality necessarily, unless you have brain trauma. Um, and you maybe have some anxiety, but your actual personality doesn't change or anything. But when you go through that kind of chaotic childhood, then what happens is your whole identity is created around the trauma. And mm-hmm. so that's why it's so insidious because you're at the time of your formation of who you are as a, as a human being. And as you're figuring out who you are and your relation in the world and where you belong and what, what your value is, all of those experiences are giving the information that you're inputting to make those decisions. Right. And so of course, if you grow up with like, you maybe a parent who doesn't really see you and doesn't really attune with you emotionally and can't really get there, you know, and like meet you where you are. Um, that basically trains you to kind of see yourself as like, oh, no one's going to understand me. My things aren't important. My voice doesn't need, doesn't need to be heard. I need to be in service of others. It's safer for me to people please because that's mm-hmm. now your personality because yeah. you experience this at such a formative stage of your existence. So like your program that you're doing that we just talked about, not the one that's now, but the one that's coming up, I'm mm-hmm. really excited about because it's all about like how do you deconstruct right that kind of you or you have deconstructed and now like how do you move forward like how do you figure out who you want to become how do you create a personality or identity that no longer is so deeply infused with um everything you've experienced you know growing up and then probably to this point as well i'm sure there's been other things right yeah yeah exactly yeah with um embodied my four-month group coaching program that you you were mentioning yeah it's like it's that next step because uh, just like with what you were saying about 
following a prescription of how everybody told you how to do things. It's like, that's literally what the experience with childhood trauma is. You just have a rubric. You're so used to following a rubric. And so now as you're excavating all these parts of you, now it becomes, okay, how do I get like in line? I, I talk about this thing of personal power a lot in embodied, where it's like, how do you shift now to like, I can make things happen for me, or I actually want things this way. I feel like growing up the way that I did, it was never about what I desired or never about what I wanted, but just how I could keep safe and how I could just get by, like literally just get by in any, in every capacity, like with school, it's like, okay, how can I get a job that will make sure that I can just pay bills and, you know, live okay. <laughs> or, um, yeah. right. And then with relationships, it's like, how can I just find somebody who's just, I don't know. It's just okay. Like, how can I find somebody who's going to like, like pay some attention to me? Yes. Or there you go. Like, like tolerable, like tolerable. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, how can I, how can I just find somebody who's just it, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I, I can handle it kind of a thing. Um, and that's something even with one of my clients in Embodied, we just wrapped up yesterday. It's so sad, but um, she, yeah, she was talking about this thing of like, I found somebody who's healthy and good and things are cool. And I could just hear it in her voice. I'm like, but is this what you desire though? Like, is it what you desire? Cause she was like, but I've never had anything like this before where it's healthy. And how about this idea of somebody can be healthy and have those basic things that we're looking for. And, and hopefully we're just getting involved with healthy people, period. That should just be the thing. Yes. But it's like, that should just be the thing. So it's like, what about that? And the, the things that you actually really desire. And I think that sure there's room for when we're dating or getting to know people that we might change what we thought was important because it, it just looks different now. But it's like, if you're there already with the person and you're realizing like, oh, I've got the itch, I've got the itch for something more. We don't really learn that. We don't really learn that with childhood trauma that like, you can actually want more. Mm, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. I think it's like, what comes to mind is like, for me, it was like, I just want to like be okay. I just want to be neutral. Like if I could just be like neutral, that would be a fucking win. But you guys, <laughs> like we can have so much more than just okay. Like we can have so much more than just to tolerable. And it's like, just because you have grown up and you have tolerated a lot of shit and you've put up with a lot of stuff and you're tough, doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Yeah. Right? You just because you've dealt with horrible situations, you've dealt with pain, you've dealt with loss, you've dealt with people who are really difficult doesn't mean you have to continue to do that. And it doesn't mean you have to settle for people who are just okay, because you can now breathe, you can, that's fine. But you can also really surround yourself with people and things and, and make a life where you are thriving at like 500%. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, that's even better. You know, we don't need to stay in a state of tolerating life. That would just be like, that's not living. It's not living. Yes, exactly. And I think that's where a lot of, I talk a lot about scarcity versus abundance. And, um, I've learned, like, I think the more that I just, the older that I get, the more that I see that things are a lot simpler than I thought it was. Yeah. Than I thought it was initially yeah. because I feel like I just look at things differently. And so like, I've realized that 
with trauma, it's like you literally learn scarcity in every area of your life. Like with, you know, with abandonment wounds, it's like I have to latch on to everybody because there's an idea that there's not enough or there won't be somebody there or even with money. Like, yes. Yeah, I think like, all- <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole other conversation, but like I'm glad you're mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really like the hush hush, don't talk about it, but then it's we're suffering. We're literally suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like all these aspects of scarcity, but it's like stepping into abundance in my eyes is really stepping into desire, which is the thing we didn't get to do or the thing we didn't learn because it was bad for some reason. Like, did you learn that, that like desiring things, somehow somebody loses when you desire something, somehow something goes wrong or it's just selfish. Yeah, I definitely, here's where I was. I was always encouraged to be great. And then there were, I would say like, oh man, I hope he's not listening to this. My dad, (laughs) love him to death. He was very, it was severe depression and narcissistic tendencies and also diagnosed um, borderline and bipolar. And so what I really learned was like, I actually shined a lot as a child. Like I was a concert pianist and I played in Carnegie Hall when I was 15 years old and I was playing concerts every year and um, dancing and singing and doing all these like theater things. And, but every time that I would have a big event or a big showcase or I'd have a concert, um, something would have bad would happen and it was usually my father would have like a meltdown um he would make a scene he'd scream at another parent in the audience over something he would be like really late because he couldn't find a parking spot but really what it was is that he was just like there was a lot of just like had to be about him i think or there was something that was you know and that's part of the narcissistic stuff which is like it has to he couldn't really i think there was some part of him that really couldn't stand that i was shining so brightly and so and also i got bullied really severely in school for oh, wow. all of that getting straight a's and like being a nerd and like loving learning and like well, i'm the kid who's like oh the teacher and they were like oh gross you know um yeah. and so what i really learned in and kind of like the way i responded to trauma was like having things or like having nice things or excelling or being special meant like you were going to be attacked and punished mm-hmm. and um you should just shut the fuck up kind of a thing and so that's how i like for me personally kind of went through the scarcity abundance thing um myself but yeah yeah it's a real thing (laughs) oh my god that is such a real thing about how when I can relate to that too in my childhood it's like it's funny how talking to other people it it unlocks memories you forgot all about because it was this yeah it was the same thing for me too whenever there was um it was a moment for me in my childhood there would be something going on with my mother where it would be something again like you said there somebody would be late she would be late or uh there was some way to distract yeah so whatever was distract. Yeah. yeah. And then like taking away from, from like the joy and being able to like actually feel safe in that moment where you're shining or that moment where it's like you're allowed to be special or you know it's about you and that's like that's hugely detrimental as an adult than using your voice or taking up space or starting a business or like doing something for yourself because it feels like you're taking away or hurting somebody else because of these early experiences that were so chaotic because it's like oh yeah when I want to shine it's chaos you know? Oh yeah. Oh my God. That is so true. I had, oh, this reminds me of a, a conversation I had with a client in, in Embodied uh, a couple weeks ago. She was in an interviewing process. And um, one thing she mentioned is like, 
how it's difficult for her to really express and talk about the qualities that she has to the interviewers. Um, because growing up, it's like the same thing you were just mentioning, this thing of like, you know, elevating yourself in any form just meant something bad was going to happen. Or it wasn't, it just wasn't something we did as a family or something like that. And, um, and I told her how it's actually harmful. It could be harmful for yourself because now when you're playing small, other people can't see. Like it's really up to us to showcase the best parts of ourselves. And with her, like the fear was, what if I come across as full of myself mm. or narcissistic or like um, braggy? Yeah. There's also that too. It's like, what if I come across? And I told her, it's your energy though. Because it's like, you know, you know, when people come across as braggy or, you know, narcissistic for lack of better words, you feel it that they need your approval. They need your validation. That doesn't, it it doesn't even feel good. It feels icky to listen to. You can see your intention. Yeah, your intention. And then that's what I asked, like, what's your intention? And then she realized, like, oh, I just really want to get this job. Like, I just want to get the job. So it's like, yeah, they're going to feel that when you, like, it's coming from that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, man, this has been such a juicy conversation. I'm so glad. Thank you for opening up and sharing your yourself with us in such a vulnerable way and talking about, like, your experiences with your family. And, um, you know, a lot of, like, uh, my audience, like, we all um, come from, like, chaotic childhoods, I feel like. <laughs> like my family so we're all like you're in good company like it's really interesting um this journey of like you know it's like this almost this like the first stage is like the realization and the coming to almost like the come to jesus moment where you're like oh okay this was this was not the way i thought it was and then there's like the deconstructing of what happened then there's like the um grieving which i feel like then you have to grieve and go through a really painful part of this healing process but then there's Uh like the creation of the new me. And mm-hmm. that was, that changed my life completely. And just like, I want to say like, even like five years, I went from being like a raging alcoholic with mm. severe depression, suicidality, um, PTSD symptoms. I couldn't sleep any, I couldn't sleep at all. Like I had to mm-hmm. camp in, I had like really severe sleep issues. Um, when I started really unpacking my trauma, I started to sleep again and I hadn't slept in 10 years, 10 years. I would like cry to all my doctors. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And they're like, we don't know either. Um, oh and I started God. to sleep through the night and then I started to feel my body relaxing. And then I started to, and all of these things started unlocking. And then I got to realize, Oh my God, I can create who I want to be like, what? And then like, oh. that was, that's to me the funnest part of this experience because everything that I didn't get a chance to kind of do as a kid, cause I was just so busy and I didn't have that chance to really explore what it was I liked, what I wanted to do, what my desires were. Um, you know, having that time later on after he- doing the healing work and being like, now I get to create who I want to become like, that was magical. And I mean, look, now I have a whole business and I have a great fiance and I have like a wonderful life. I feel so happy every day. I want to punch myself in the face like I'm just like who am I <laughs> you know it's kind of like this like and I'm sure you've experienced it too that like when you get to this stage where you're like okay I've grieved I reconciled I have a lot of self-awareness and now I'm moving forward and I'm creating the life I want to live and I have control over that it's just the most liberating thing you could you could ever 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 have you know worth all the pain of the process in my opinion oh yeah it's so worth it it's just like 
Oh, it's just, it's worth it to live a life that feels good. That at the end of the day, I didn't even realize that was what I was looking for is to just feel better. And that's what I got. And that to me is like more than enough is to just every day feel better and not be waiting for the, the ball to drop. That was what I was living like before. So yeah, I can relate to that. Like living, like walking on broken glass all the time you know you like never know like you're like oh, yeah it's like so much um no but it's it's totally just such a beautiful um a beautiful gift to give yourself to just like say okay it's gonna be a little painful it's gonna be some crying there's gonna be release there's gonna be realizations but at the end of this tunnel is like you get to be whoever you want to be and if you don't know who that is oh my god how exciting you get to figure that out yeah Exactly. And you get to do it without having all of these attachments to what other people want you to look to be like and look like and all of that. Like it's, it's just you running the show now. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, um, just tell us what we're what you're doing with this like group, because I have <laughs> never heard of a group that actually focuses um, not necessarily on like the unpacking of the trauma, but really this future self creation, which in my opinion, is worth therapy. I love I'm a therapist, I get it. I like, But it's where I think yeah. sometimes drop the ball in therapy is like, I don't I haven't worked with anybody in, in my in, as a client myself or anything like that, where we've really worked on this future self realization creation work so i'm really excited that you're bringing this group um into fruition so like tell us tell us what to expect and like when is it happening and like what's included and um i'm yeah. sure that there are lots of people who would love to check it out yeah so it's gonna start in late june and it's a four-month program um and the whole idea behind it is really stepping into like this feminine energy aspect of ourselves that we don't really get to sink into um, because of, you know, the childhood trauma and everything. It's all about like, do, 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 like do, do, do mode. And it's never about relaxing into who you are. And so there's so much, when, when we can be in a state of receptivity and relaxing, you start to be open to receiving ideas about what do you actually wanna do? What do you actually desire? And the whole idea is softening a little bit. And, and it's not, and when I say feminine energy too, I'm not talking like gender. It's more like that energy aspect of you that didn't get to be expressed, the creative part of you, the, the desire, the um, wisdom. Like uh, something I really explore is connection to the body because I believe that trauma creates distrust of the body. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, distrust. And I think one really big thing with feminine energy is like, trusting your body like in astrology. I say this, oh my god, I feel like a broken record because I literally say this all the time. It's, it's actually at this point obnoxious. I'm not even gonna lie. But to me, it's so like monumental when I discovered it, that in astrology, when we talk about the moon, like I think with you, you're familiar with the moon sign. Um, (laughs) But just really quickly, the moon in astrology represents like the mother, the body and the emotions. And it's like, when I understood it also represents the body is when everything changed for me. Oh, and also intuition and the subconscious. So it's like your body, it actually holds wisdom and is actually connected to your subconscious and is actually, your body is a home because the moon also represents the home. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can come back home to yourself, all of a sudden 
you can start to feel comfortable with your desires. Oh, I want this job. I, I don't actually want that. Oh, I actually want to bring in more money to my life. And I don't really feel guilty about that because it's going to help me do things that I want to do. So it's like stepping into being more limitless yeah. instead of having limitations. Mm. Um, it's, it's basically, I'm going to be honest, like structureless because that's kind of like feminine energy. That's, it's like, no, that's, that's the epitome of feminine, it's like flow. flow. Yeah. 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 That's why it's, it's, it's difficult for me to explain what this is about because it's really a journey inward for you to shift back into your own knowing. That's and very clear. Yeah. Oh, it's clear. Okay. Okay. I was going to say like, it's like, this is about, yeah, it, it's not about structure and rubric. It's about how can you use your body wisdom to really know and step into who you are? Yeah, it's so fascinating. And I know we have to wrap it up, but I will say this. I was having a conversation with somebody too. And just even looking at the, the feminine wisdom, and the body wisdom from just being just a woman, we were literally killed for it for centuries, mm -hmm. for being yeah. having our sexual power, for having intellectual power, for having witchy intuition and for having, I mean, look at the Salem witch trials and the way that medicine women were burned at the stake. Yeah. <laughs> We actually have like as women, like generational trauma around even um, using our voices and stepping into our desire and allowing ourselves to be in a trusting of our bodies and intuition because we have been so traumatized to not trust our bodies and to, you know, be in even like, you know, we were married off to people and we had to have sex with those people and we had to have children with those people and raise families and that's the way it worked and you didn't have a say. It's like literally, even if your body was screaming, I don't want this, um, everyone was saying you have to. And mm -hmm. so, you know, even going deeper, it's like we as women really need to heal our, our relationship with our bodies, with our sexuality, with our inherent intuitive powers and abilities, because we are very connected. We are like, even if you don't, if you choose not to use this, or if you're female identifying, I still believe you have this, but we are portals. Like we are portals from the spirit mm. realm to the earthly realm. Like we birth children and we take spirits and we put them into bodies and we bring them out into the world. Like we are fucking magical and mm. we have a lot to offer in that realm with our intuition and with our body wisdom. And, um, you know, it's also about healing that kind of the way that we've really been pitted against ourselves in that way. Um, for a very long time. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so true. I, I believe that it's like, uh, for too long, for too long centuries, like this has been stolen. Oh it's really been stolen. So to, I feel grateful to be like here in this time where there's a lot of freedom or even just living where we live, a lot of freedom around not having to be forced to do things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, Beatrice, thank you for being here. This has been such a nourishing conversation um, for me, at least. And I, I hope for you as well and for everybody listening. And, you know, this is like a journey, trauma, trauma recovery, post-traumatic growth, like it never ends. And um, and I love what you've created with your container. And I think what a beautiful opportunity to, to instead of like forcing curriculum down people's throats, yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm going to meet you where you are and we're going to like actually go start where you are and go where you need to go at your pace and like in ways that feel good for you, which again is like 
teaching and mirroring like trust where you are trust your body trust what, what's feeling good trust the intuitive intuitive process like i want you to tell me like and communicate like let's have a flow in that sense so it's always working for you versus this is the curriculum this is the weeks that we're doing these things you have to follow this order and then like they're not getting the individualized expansion that i think they could, they're going to get with you in this program Right. Yes. Which is why I'm teaching it live and why, for that very reason, it's like, let me meet you where you're at. So yeah, I'm excited. And I've had so much fun on this, this podcast of yours. It's awesome. This is awesome. Oh man. Thank you so much. And for those of you who would like to check her out and go check out her Instagram page, be part of her community, go join her classes. I'm going to drop all of her information in the show notes for you. Um, her new program starts in July. Um, so right. Yes. June. June, June. Okay, starts in June. See, I'm glad I checked. Starts in June. So you guys have like a month, but like really go check her out. Also, Loki, she's been doing these fucking crazy, amazing birth chart readings for like celebrities. <laughs> and I know you don't like, talk. it's not like the main thing you do at all. It's just something you do for fun, but yeah. they're so fun to watch. So if you want to get like, like tea on people that you know, like in the celebrity sphere and you want to know about their birth charts, go check out her videos too on that. That I like, I love those. They're so, so good. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and we will be back next week with a new episode. And like I said, you can find Beatrice online on Instagram at what is your handle? The self love fix. The self love fix. I wanted to be sure before I like set it out there and we'll put it in the show. <laughs> so thank you, Beatrice, for being here. And thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you all next time. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> And that's our episode for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us at the Conscious Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited. This next year, 2021, is going to be huge. We have so many guests that are coming on that you are going to love. I'm going to be doing some more solo casts and own therapy coaching. We have so many things rolling out for you. Retreats, another round of Ignite starting in May, another one starting at the end of the summer, a mastermind, and so many other things. So be sure to stay tuned with us on Instagram. Follow me at ohm underscore therapy underscore coaching and stay tuned for so much goodness coming up. As always, I would love to hear your feedback. Head over to iTunes and leave us a review and I would love to give you a free copy of my subconscious reprogramming workbook and that is absolutely free. Just send me a screenshot of your review and on Instagram and I will be so happy to send that over as my gift for you. And I am sending you so many hugs, so much love, and I hope that this week you are able to find just a little bit more joy in your life. Have a good one, guys.